0: Bringing the fire, bringing the hail, Satan!
1: Hell yeah!
0: Hell yeah, brother! Hell Bring yeah, brother! Hell Satan. hail, Satan! Hell, Satan! We're
1: gonna do that for every episode. We're so fucking <laughs> stupid. Yeah, we are. Bringing the hail, Satan.
0: We should do a video of that. It's too great. Oh god! Hold on! Hold on!
1: What the fuck are you doing?
0: Greater Cincinnati, hail Satan! Bring in the heat! Bring in the thunder! Okay, so... <laughs> <laughs>
1: we're having so much fun. This is good shit. So we're recording this right now on 1014, which is the same day where uh, me and Jake started spamming our Instagram uh, stories. Uh, it's pretty good. It's really fun. <laughs> we so, so just, fucking stupid. Just to give you a frame of reference for... Uh, when we're recording this it's when you see all of our goofy bullshit on the 14
0: yeah well you know it's like we knew we needed to record i am an old man recuperating from an injury and so i was trying to shore up all of my uh, strength i literally laid down for like an hour to try to like you know be able to have enough energy to bring the hail satan when we got hail satan that's right bring the hail satan when we started to record hail satan which is just a way that we get ourselves hyped up. Bands do this sort of thing, you know that. We've seen people do this. They they have a thing. They like have a uh, like a like a ritual before they start to record or before they start to do concerts. So I don't think that we are out of out of the ordinary or any weirder than anyone else for doing. something. No, fun. absolutely not. Right. Red leather, yellow leather, red leather, yellow red. This leather, is just more leather. fun. That's right. It is more fun, especially when people can see us being absolutely fucking crazy on Instagram.
1: Yeah, that's pretty fun. We're both realizing that we're enjoying doing that kind of video content. We've been talking about it for a long time. I fucking told you that. I know, I know. We've been talking about doing some sort of video thing. We just need to buckle down and do it, but it's a lot of fun. We just
0: like being goofs. Yeah, it is fun. I think, I think I'm more energized just doing that a little bit. So we should probably do that more often, for sure. We should. Because when it, it's just us, you know, it's, it's real easy for me just to sit back in my chair. And,
1: and fall asleep in front of me. Basically, literally fall
0: asleep right in front of you. Which is what you did
1: the last episode. <laughs> we came back from our break, because I, I was editing that episode. And I remembered coming back from our break, and I literally started it with, and now Jake is asleep across from me. And it took you a minute to, like, open your eyes and react. I was literally <laughs> asleep. I really was
0: i'm not in i'm not in my rights i'm not i'm out of sorts right now i'm hurt mm-hmm. so what's your excuse for all the other times that's happened i'm an old man well some of it was depression because i was in a loveless marriage uh, fair which i will get into uh, a little bit more in, in in a little bit when i get to my subject
1: your topic is going to be my topic. Is your horror story your marriage? <laughs> let me tell you something.
0: There's a subreddit called Dead Bedrooms that's all about people in horrible like oh yikes. marriage relationships where like nothing's going on for them, like there's like no emotional connection. And of course, I can totally I can completely relate to that in my last in my marriage, so it's like yeah, it's it's horrible. Ah, oh, that's rough. Horrible is my catchphrase, but that horrible. is truly horrible to be in a dead a dead marriage like that. Dead bedroom is what they call it.
1: Woof. But hey, at least you're not there. Now you're out there making moves in the
0: <laughs> 40 to 60 no, age range.
1: No. 40 to 80? It doesn't Jake matter.
0: 40 to 80? <laughs> Let me tell you something. The smartest move I could make is probably find myself a 55-year-old woman who like has her career and you know has a house. You need a sugar off. Off, stuff like that. I mean, why would I want a 29-year-old, you know, oh my god. Who, like, just doesn't have her life together and, you know, just forget that. Whatever. Yeah, you can send those candidates my way. Go ahead. Knock yourself out. Go and make those bad decisions with that bad decision-making engine. I've already lived that life, and I've got two kids to show for it. That's true. Thank you very much. Anyway, enough about that. Did we already say hi and welcome to another episode of Too Scared to Sleep? (laughs) No, we made it five minutes in before we did that. So hello and welcome. This is Too
1: Scared to Sleep. We're a podcast that talks about more than just our sad love lives. We also talk about paranormal and true crime spooky shit.
0: But let's get back to sad love lives. I wanted yeah, to tell you this story. That. It's really fucking weird. Okay, so you remember, you guys remember, all you insomniacs remember, that when I broke my leg, the only two people on this planet, apart from my neighbors who helped me, who knew about it, the only two people on this planet who knew about it were Dylan and Alex. Because mm-hmm. and, and it was mostly circumstantial because I needed Dylan's help and Alex was already on her way. And so... They went to the hospital, they helped me get to the ER for almost 12 hours. They were the only people who knew that I had injured myself because I didn't call my family. Didn't call my ex-wife, didn't let her know for the kid's sake or anything like that. Didn't call my boss, didn't call my dad or my brothers or anything like that or my friends. Until I had seen the orthopedic surgeon the day before, or the day after I'd gotten into the hospital. Because we went in about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. And then he didn't show up until 10 o'clock the next day to tell me, yeah, your leg is really broken. And we're, we- we're actually waiting to get a titanium rod long enough to attach to your tibia in order to screw it into place and to help you heal so i waited until he had come into the hospital room and told me all of that terrible horrible no good very bad news <laughs> and at that point i started making phone calls i called my boss and told him i was going to have surgery and i was going to be out for six weeks i called my dad and got chewed out for like 30 minutes about you know how stupid i was and how i should never have bought a motorcycle and. He told me to be careful on it, and this is what happens, and you knew that it was going to happen, all that stuff. Yeah, that tracks. And then I told my uh, my friends at work, and, of course, I got the uh, this is exactly what we said was going to happen, you're such a fucking idiot sort of stuff. Back Which he did forth. also get from me the night that it happened. Yes. But he was still in pain I know. and didn't know, so I, know. I didn't give it to him too bad. There is, There was none of the responses that I got. Uh, were anything that was surprising or out of the ordinary now once I was once I was done with those phone calls I did call my ex and I told her what was happening and I let her know but at the same time again there wasn't anything that anybody could do I was just basically waiting around until I had surgery no one was allowed to come and see me in the hospital you know unless they you know there's this risk of get catching COVID in the hospital so it wasn't like I was trying to get any sympathy from anybody. There wasn't anything that I could do. There wasn't anything that I needed. I had a phone charger. Thank you. Uh, my friend Darcy, our friend Darcy, brought me a phone charger from work and, and sent it to me. But apart from that, I really didn't need anything. I couldn't do anything at that point. I couldn't even eat. They wouldn't let me eat anything until after the surgery. So I went like 24, or maybe 30 hours before I got a fucking meal. And it was horrible. That's the worst. Oh, and then the worst part was that apparently the anesthesia makes you constipated. That was also a big problem once I got home. But anyway, but I digress. So, fast forward, I find out just like two weeks ago that my ex has actually met somebody and been dating somebody for about two months, which makes me sad boy because I was in a great relationship for six weeks and then she fucking dumped me, right? Damn it. So... I find out not only is she dating some dude for two months, but this dude has already met my fucking kids, hey. which is a huge problem for me because if it had been the other way around and Alex and I had gotten to the progression where, she, where that situation was going to come up where she might have met my children, I absolutely 150% would have talked to my ex about that being a possibility and let her know this is who I'm with, this is how long I've been with her, and this is going to happen where she's going to meet my kids. And she didn't do any of that for me.
1: Yeah. Had you done that and you just like, the yes. kids were over and Alex was just there and mm-hmm. you're like, hey, this is her. You would have gotten
0: chewed out for that. Oh, yeah. She would have lost her shit. She <clears throat> absolutely would have lost her shit. And that's what I told her. I said, you know, if it had been the other way around, because she didn't even actually tell me what happened was she was alluding to the fact that she was dating somebody and so i did a little bit of social media uh investigation and realized okay there's this person who's following her on instagram that i don't know that we don't have any mutual friends it's got to be that guy yeah right and then i asked my son one time when he was here and i was like hey is your mom dating this dude and he's like yeah we already met him and i'm like what the fuck did you just say to me hold on rewind that so then i told her i was like how could you do that you know you're This is, you know, I told her, I said, you would have lost your shit if I had done this the other way, if it had been the other way around. If the shoe had been on the other foot, it would have totally made you upset. And then she pulled out of her ass the craziest rebuttal that I will ever hear. You know I'm so said? excited to hear this. Yes, she said, "Well, when you had your accident, you didn't even tell us until the next day, but that girlfriend of yours, that Alex who no, who no one ever met, who I don't even know who she is because of course Alex doesn't have any social media, mm-hmm. so she can't be found in in any of those manners." She says, "And that girl knew before I did." And I was like, "Okay, first yeah, of all, because she
1: was already there. She was dude. already
0: on her way. One, number one, she was already on her way. Number two, that's not even the same thing. Yeah, not at all. That is That's not even breaking your leg versus
1: introducing a stranger to your children. And she was like, that something you could with have with another
0: person. could I was like, well, then everybody would have found out at the same time. If Alex hadn't been on her way, I absolutely would not have called her and told her that night.
1: No, absolutely not. You absolutely. because I would have been the only one.
0: Because she would have been freaked out and she would have wanted to come and see me in the hospital. And I would have felt horrible about bringing her to the hospital where there's COVID. And there's really nothing anybody can do except stand in the corner and watch me get wheeled in and out for x-rays and CT scans. And, you know, they're cutting my pants off and they're putting me in a hospital gown and all this other shit. There wasn't anything for anybody to do. There wasn't any. You know, if I could not have been there, I would not have been there. But apparently I'm the guy with the broken leg. So I have to be on the gurney. I would not have subjected anyone else to the bullshit of having to wait in the room if I could not have had to. And so I don't know where my ex gets this idea that somehow that's the same, but it's completely not. Yeah, I mean, that's it's nowhere near bullshit. comparable. It is complete bullshit. But of course, it still upsets her that I was dating somebody for six months and I didn't let on. that didn't tell her anything about it. Well, but not so much anymore.
1: You know what? Fuck that clown. Fuck both those clowns. What the fuck? Fuck all them clowns. These two women who just
0: ruined my life. But
1: you know what? You know who's always been there to pick up the
0: pieces? Me. My boy Dylan. Your boy Dylan. No, I'm telling you right now. I I don't know whether she's ever going to listen or not. But you know what? In comparison, six months, I've had pairs of shoes longer than six months. I've had that fucking cat for three years. I know. (laughs) That's a stronger emotional relationship than six months. I'm sorry. You've had this podcast way longer. We've than We've had six the months. podcast longer than this. Absolutely. So yeah, the cat, Boomer, the fucking cat, our little mascot, my furry son. Anyway, enough about that. Enough about that. Let's just let's just promise to let's promise to cut all that shit out. <laughs> <laughs> just cut it. The minute I get it out, the minute I, I I regurgitate and just throw up all of those emotions and that feeling, I'm always I always number one feel better, and number two want you to cut it out.
1: Yeah, and you know what happens? I never cut it. out. I know you never. do. I trim it down. You but trim you know it down. What? You
0: take out the ums, and then you just post the that listeners
1: shit. deserve to know all the minute details of your life. I want to make sure that if nothing else comes from this, this podcast, then you have no privacy left
0: in your life. That's or all maybe, I want. Maybe this is why you're the why you're why you're the more favorited host because you're tired of hearing my my verbal diarrhea. Mm, I have the voice of an angel, and I
1: don't complain. On the podcast as much as I complain in real life.
0: You complain a lot to me in real I life. I do
1: complain a lot, but I know when to turn that shit off.
0: Whatever. And that's as soon as I click that record button. Maybe I should stop. I don't give Listeners, a shit. let us know. Should I continue to tell you everything about my life? Yeah, I think you should. Or should I stop? Should um, we, we just go ahead and give me? your address and social security out too? No, let's not do that. Let's not do that. All right, enough about that. We've gone on for, what, 40 minutes now? I swear to Christ. Uh, 13 and a half. Jesus Christ, that's long. (laughs) You want to do your topic first you want to do my topic first? Let's do yours first. All right, so listen. Two two, two episodes ago, I talked about the murder of Lacey Peterson by her husband, Scott Peterson. Yes, you did. That white man with his bullshit. White man and his white man bullshit. That's the other thing I need to tone down is the casual racism towards white people decided that, that probably I, doesn't
1: I would probably s- doesn't track well with our listeners. But I would also say it's gone past casual racism when you say fuck these white men, fuck these white people. But
0: also, it's just white people, we don't care. There's plenty of reasons to feel that way, okay? Oh yeah. Absolutely. Okay. There's there's plenty of reasons. The Holocaust, the Trail of Tears, Christopher fucking Columbus. Bastards. All of them. Yeah, Andrew Jackson. Anyway, enough about that. Donald fucking Trump. Okay, so I talked about uh, Lacey, Lacey Peterson and Scott Peterson in the murder, right? So in between that time, what happened was that Netflix came out with a, a, um, a documentary. It's like 90 minutes long. It's about an hour and a half long. It's a 90-minute documentary about Christopher and Shanann Watts, Chris and Shanann Watts. Now Chris Watts is a guy who, just like Scott Peterson, murdered his wife who was pregnant.
1: Fucking, of course. What not all that. With fucking weird middle-aged white dudes wanting to murder their pregnant wives. Is that just a married thing?
0: I don't know. I have never felt that way. Okay. Let me tell you well, something. You're not white, so. Oh, that's true. That's true. He also murdered his two daughters. Oh, that's quirky and fun. Uh they were 13, 15. When did he murder? Oh my god. They were like 3 and f- they were like 3 and 4 years old or five, 4 and 5 years old, something like that. Oh my Jesus Christ, this guy. He is going to burn in hell. But anyway, the thing about it is, the reason that I'm talking about this is because I watched the documentary. I have watched it three times now because it is so compelling. And then I started doing the research, the normal kind of research that we do for our podcast. The thing that is so different about, or that there's so many similarities in the Chris Watts and the Scott Peterson cases but the thing that is so different in them is that there's a 15-year gap between the death of Lacey Peterson and the death of Shanann Watts and her two daughters, right? 15 years. You know, uh, Lacey Peterson died in 2003, 2003. Shanann Watts died in 2018. Okay, 15 years. Social media has blown up in those 15 years yeah, to the no point. kidding. That the difference, the biggest difference of all the, sim- there's all, so many similarities, but the biggest difference between the Lacey Peterson case and the Shanann Watts case is that Shanann Watts, that there's this just an, a, a trove of social media evidence of her life, of their life together, of their children. There's videos, there's photos, there's all this stuff that isn't there with Scott and Lacey Peterson as much because again, you know, it was 2003 and it wasn't that big of a deal back then. You know, when they first got together, you know, you you can go back and you can watch documentaries uh, and and news stories about the Petersons, but it's always photos and it's testimonials. But with with Shanann Watts and her husband, Chris, especially Shanann, because I'll I'll explain why. There's just all of these live Facebook live videos and posts and, you know, just photos that are out there for anybody to see. A lot of it is public domain because it was just out there to begin with on Facebook. Um, And so to be able to watch the story of their life and how it took a turn and how it ended up in death unfold in just right in front of your eyes through the eyes of the through the prism of social media is the biggest difference in between the Lacey Peterson case and the Shanann Watts case. Yeah, it's kind of haunting. It really is. It really is. So, um, the story behind Chris and Shanann Watts is they met in 2010. Shanann had been married once before. Uh, she'd have been in a really bad relationship, according to everything. Again, according to everything that she posted on Facebook. Um, but she turned her life around, and when she was like 25 years old, she built her own house. She had started her own, you know, she started her own business. She was selling Thrive, one of those pyramid scheme things, Ah. right? So she had turned herself turned her life around, and they both lived in um, they both lived in North Carolina, and they met. He kind of he friended her on Facebook, and they started talking. And uh, she also had found out that she had lupus, and so she talks about that again. She talks about how Thrive helped her through that.
1: Ayo, hey, lupus gang.
0: Lupus gang, exactly. Lupus gang unite. So You don't get to say that. You don't have lupus. I know I don't, but <laughs> I support here. you. Get out of here. Am I not your friend? Step off my shit. Whatever. I'm okay. kidding. I don't care. Step off you and your... Oh, you poor baby. Anyway, enough about that. So she talks about how, um, you know, the video there. there's videos there where she talks about how she wasn't sure if he was right for her. She wasn't sure if she was right for him. And she gave him every option that he could uh, to, you know, to, to find somebody else, to maybe be with someone else. And he decided that he just wanted to be with her. And so they ended up getting married. And uh, they ended up having two beautiful little daughters, Bella and Cece, uh, cute little kids. He got a job. They, they moved to Colorado, got a five-bedroom home. Um, he was working for a petroleum company as an operator. She was, an, you know, she was in, uh, she was in working with Lavelle, which is the parent company for Thrive. And so in a lot of the photo, you know, she's, she's taking all these videos about her life and all these supplements that she's taking and the patches that she's wearing and all this other shit. And it's just there for, uh, on display for everybody. There's videos of, of when she realized that she was pregnant, uh, for a third time and she posted a video. She's wearing a t-shirt that says, oops, we did it again. She's got a photo. She's got one for him. And, you know, he comes into the house and she's got the pregnancy test and she's she's video, you know, she's recording him as he walks into the room and he's really excited and all this other stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Which makes it even worse what happened. So um, basically what happened is this is how it unfolds. Shanann had gone to a business trip in Arizona with her Thrive, with our Thrive Squad, right? And she got back on August thirteenth, two thousand eight. Oh my. Okay, yeah, that was the night. August thirteenth is when I had my accident. That's the night that I broke my leg. August Holy 13th. shit. Okay. It's crazy. That's weird. So she gets back for August thirteenth about two o'clock in the morning. A friend of hers named Nicole Atkinson, who was also a Thrive, was, was in her Thrive squad, gave her a ride home from the airport. Right. So she there's and again there's there's doorbell uh, there's doorbell camera. Recording, you know, ring camera, yeah, of her getting to her house. You see her getting out of the car, she's got her little carry on rolling luggage thing. She gets home, and um, Chris had been with the kids all the weekend, all that weekend while she was gone to Arizona. They had just come back from a six week um trip to North Carolina because she'd basically been able to take off almost the entire summer. And so she had been gone. She got back. About three days later, she went back. She went to Arizona for this Thrive convention. She comes back. The next day, she was supposed to have an OBGYN appointment. And her friend Nicole uh, texted her in the morning to see how she was doing. Because what Nicole said later on was that she could tell that, that Shanann had been upset the entire weekend while they were gone. Something was upsetting her. Something was bothering her. She wasn't eating. She wasn't drinking. She wasn't enjoying herself at this Thrive convention. And so she called her, texted her to try to see how she was doing. She texted her to see how the OBGYN appointment was. She called. No answer. No answer. No response. Nothing. So Nicole gets worried about it, right? Understandably so. So she goes to the house, because she lives just down the street in some subdivision in this, in this town in Colorado, she um, she goes to the house and she looks in the windows and she notices that there isn't anybody at the house there's nowhere else that Shannon should be because she works from home the kids, the girls should be there because they're they're hardly school age but it was august so the school the school hadn't even started yet and there's nobody there so nicole who's really the fucking she is the mvp of this whole fucking story because she gets the ball rolling immediately she calls the cops and yeah. tells her, I think something's wrong. I think something happened to my friend. I dropped off at her house this morning. I haven't heard from her all day long. She was supposed to have a doctor's appointment. I haven't, you know, I'm at the house right now. There's no there's no movement on the inside of the house. There's nowhere else. Her car is here. I think something happened to her. So the cops show up about noon, right? Someone gets a hold. I think Nicole got a hold of, um, of Chris who had been at work? He leaves work. He leaves for the for work every morning at like five o'clock in the morning. Ugh. So he was gone. He gets to the house. The cop asks for entry, and everything that everything that happens at this point. The reason that it's so well documented is because you have all of this stuff going on, and the cop has a body cam on. Oh, so okay. Yeah. Everything is recorded from the second that the cop shows up at the house and starts to talk to the friend Nicole, to the to the to when Chris finally shows up from work. Uh, because he was working oil fields, so it probably took him a couple of minutes. I think he said it would take him like 30 to 45 minutes to get back home from wherever he was. So he gets there. You can see him get there. And he goes ahead and opens up the house. He lets the cop come in. Nicole is looking around the house. He's looking. And it's just it's so suspicious from the beginning. Yeah. From immediately as soon as the door is open, it is so suspicious. First of all, Chris does not seem that seemed that upset about the fact that his family is missing. Right? That's number one. Secondly, you go through the house. The car is still there, just like Peterson. Her purse is still there. Her medication is there because she's on actual medication for lupus, I'm sure. Yeah. Her wedding ring is on the bed. None of the clothes are gone. Nothing is missing from the house. There's no sign of struggle. There's no sign of forced entry. It's like she just fucking disappeared, right? So they're going through the house and looking for all that stuff. Chris is cooperating. He finds her phone, and he's like, "You know, this is so weird. I don't know what's going on." Um, the cop is looking through. Nicole is looking through. Uh, it's it's just really it's just really super creepy, and it feels so familiar because we just talked about Scott and Lacey Peterson, and it was the same situation. Yeah. When they no got kidding. when they got when they opened up the house, they they noticed all of that same stuff. You know. Yeah. Nothing was missing. There was no sign of struggle. There was everything no sign of forced entry. Yeah, everything was fine. So, the next thing that happens is that the neighbor who lives next door sees the cop and he calls over and he says, "Hey, listen, I've got a camera that's set up on the corner of my house, and I can see I can see uh, I can see Chris Watts's house, and I can see the the road from where I am. So, you want to come over and take a look at it?" So Chris Watts goes over with the cop. And they're watching it on the big screen TV, and the guy's showing, and it shows that around five o'clock in the morning, Chris gets out, of, comes out of the front door of the house, and he gets in his truck that he parked on the street, and he backs the truck up next to the garage, and then you can, you can't see him loading anything in, but Chris is there, and he's acting really nervous. He's very fidgety. He's very talkative. Um, he's got his hands up in his, on his head, um, acting real nervous, and he says, "Yeah, I did that because." um you know i i take my tools out of my truck and then at night and then i put them back in in the, in the morning uh, we've had some we have had some trouble with break ins and so i didn't want to leave my stuff in the truck and uh you know that's what i was doing but you know when i left the house the kids were there my wife was there i've been trying to call her all day long and i don't know where she is um i don't know i don't know what happened to her so the cop looks at that and he's watching it and they don't really see anything and then chris leaves Chris is leaving his neighbor's house because they've just been watching this this, this you know, this footage. Mm-hmm. And the cop stop, Cop stays behind and says, I'm just going to, he says, why don't you go ahead and go back to the house? I'm going to get this guy's information. And his neighbor looks at the cop as soon as the door closes and he says, he's not acting normal. He's fucking he, not. You can never trust not. a white he's man like, that's suspected the way of murder. That he's acting nervous and all fidgety. He's usually really quiet and subdued. Something's wrong with that guy. And he's like, well, and the cop is like, well, you know, I mean, maybe maybe something happened, uh, you know, and he says he says, well, I mean, you know, his wife and his, his wife and his kids are missing. So that might be it. But at the same time, it's that moment where it's like shit. And not only that, but that's the moment where the, the where Chris looks at the cop and says, my wife is pregnant. She's 15 weeks pregnant. So they just found out, and at 13 weeks, you can go into the um, you can go into the doctor, and you can have a sonogram, and you can ch- uh, you can check all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So they had, she had just had that had that done. Yeah, and she's 15 weeks pregnant. Something else that was weird um, that that you can see in the body cam footage from the cop is that the uh, the bedroom the, 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 the Chris and Shannon's bed is completely stripped of all the linens. The pillows are gone. The blankets are gone. That's fucking weird. They're not weird. on top of the bed. I don't like that. And then he had mentioned that the girl's blankies, like their, like their personal blankets that they would always go to sleep with, the blankies are gone off of the bed as well. So it's just weird. And not only that, but the neighbor, before the cop left the neighbor's house, the neighbor said, he never takes his tools out of his truck. Mm. Never, we never see him do that. Fucking sketchy shit after sketchy mm-hmm. shit.
1: I hate this. I, I hate how obvious... This stupid, dumb white man mm-hmm. with his stupid, dumb fucking life and his fucking, I'm sure, great wife and fucking great kids. I don't understand. And he just this. has to go and fuck it all up and then be sketchy and fucking
0: weird about it. Fuck I these clowns, man. None of this makes any sense to me. None of it. And it's going to get even worse. Oh, I'm sure. I'm excited, though. <clears throat> Let's see how this plays out. So, the entire time Chris cooperates with the police, the police put out, uh, you know... Uh, a bolo, which is be on the lookout. They they start to canvas the neighborhood with flyers with the photos of of Shanann. The media comes by and interviews him. They allow cadaver dogs into the house uh, to get a scent to see if they can get a scent of anything. And then they're they're searching the nearby areas to try to figure something out. He says that it's tearing him apart that he doesn't know where he is, but. When you go back and you watch the footage again a second time, you notice that he is showing absolutely no remorse. He's showing no sadness. He doesn't look panicked. He doesn't look worried at all. At Fucking any point. Of course he's not. At any point, does he not? Um, so eventually Chris was brought into the police station for an interview. And he talks about how they, they ask him, like, did you have any problems? Is there anything going on? He talks about how he's been having problems with Shanann. Uh, what had happened was when they had gone to when he, when she had gone to North Carolina for those five weeks. At the very beginning of that of that visit, they had gone over to Chris's parents' house, and Chris's mom had bought some sort of ice cream that had nuts in it. Apparently, the the youngest daughter, Cece, had some sort of nut allergy, and so Shanann freaked out and got upset because they had given her this they had given her this ice cream, and she's like, you know that she can have it. Uh, you know that she'll go into, sh- you know, she'll basically die. That's how she made it seem. Yeah. Um, and so there had been a big falling out and she left the house. Chris got involved, of course, because his, because his wife got him involved, as wives do. Yeah. And so, you know, he's he's probably stuck in the middle where he's, you know, it's gotta, I've been in this situation before. So, you know. Where, where, you know, you've got your wife telling you one thing and you got your parents telling you the other thing. And it's like, who am I supposed to yell at? Who am I supposed to... What side am I supposed to take on this? <laughs> you know, I'm just trying to go to fucking work and, and come home and, you know, keep food on the table and everything like that. Why am I getting dragged in all this bullshit? I've been in those situations before. But that had happened while they were gone. And then um, CeCe's birthday had come up in... in I, I talk about these people and I've got a squad of friends who also watch a lot of paranormal and true crime shit and we watched this the second time all together nice. and we talked we were starting to talk about these people we were talking about shenan watts and your kids like we knew them you know it's oh, it one of those things like i was about to say cc had her birthday party in north carolina and chris's parents weren't there and that really upset everybody i'm saying it <laughs> as if i was friends with them and i was there and i'm like oh my god girl i
1: can't fucking believe it happened but I mean, with, that's exactly the kind of effect that being able to see all this footage exactly. and see that kind mm-hmm. of like social media output, you know, that's that's, that's exactly a, a big point. Difference. Yes, that's a
0: very good point, Dylan. That's something else. I have a very good friend who lives in Omaha, Nebraska. I know all about her family. I know all about her kids. And literally, the only reason I know that is because ten years ago, I I ran a I was running mud runs like Warrior Dash and Spartan Race, mm-hmm. and she worked for Spartan Race, and we. Connected on social media and we became friends and we've kept up with each other all this entire time and I'm friends with her. I have never met this person and yeah. I probably never will meet this person. And yet I'm a friend with her. You know, it's like I messaged her at the beginning of the summer and I was like, is your daughter going to be able to go to college next semester? And she was like, yeah, I think she's going to. And we talked about our kids and we talked about that stuff and we send each other funny memes and things like that. And you feel like you're, and you know, because social media is that way that you begin to have a connection with some people that you may never absolutely meet in person. Yeah, absolutely. And yet you're friends with them. They know about your kids. They know about everything because they follow you. <laughs> And so I feel that way with Shannan with Shannon Watson and her kids. So CC had her birthday party. Chris's parents weren't there. CC, uh, and again, it's you see these text messages all throughout the documentary between you know, between Chris and Shanann. She's like, "I never want to see them again." And he's like, "I'm really sorry about what's happening and all this other stuff." That's pretty tough. That's a that's a white person thing to do. I never want to see them again because my ex would say that too, and I'm like, "Look, that's not what, how it works when you have a Hispanic family." Okay, you could have a knockdown, bold up. I'm taking my top shirt off and beating the shit out of you fight in the front yard and three weeks later, when everything's gone over, you're you're fine. You're Hell, back to normal. Yeah, brother. You are absolutely back to normal. The way it should be. That's how Hispanic families are, because I've had fights like that with my family. I have literally punched my brothers in the face nice. before, and we're over it now. You know? We do group texts. We're talking about going there. We're another birthday party going on. This other stuff. That's how we get all of these things. Other cultures and other other ethnic groups are not so forgiving, and they don't. Oh, yeah. They don't have the same. They don't have the same viewpoint as far as family is concerned. Like, yeah, of course, that's a horrible fight to have, and that's a terrible thing, and I'm not. I'm not condoning that kind of thing. But at the same time, it happens, and sometimes you just get over it. But that's my own little side commentary. So, Chris's parents, they're having this out. He talks about that to the cops he talks about how um the time period that they spent away from each other which was five weeks he felt like they were drifting apart he felt like some of the some of the the rifts that had already been there just came to a head and so he says according to his story he tells the cops that he talked about leaving her and that she was upset about that and he cried about it it tore him up but again shows zero emotion while he's telling this story yeah, fucking and then the funny thing good. that happens is that the that the detective looks at him and he says, "Well, I notice on your photos and the videos because he's he's checking out her social media as well." He says, "You were a lot bigger uh, last year," and he's mm-hmm. like, "Yeah, apparently Chris Watts he doesn't look like a tall guy, but he weighed like 240 pounds at one time. He dropped down to 180. Uh, you know, there's video of him working out. There's video of him using the Thrive patches and all this other stuff. So he went from being a chubby." dad bod to having like a tight ass like biceps and a six pack and he's got this nice gray hair that i wish i had um uh, but whatever enough about that i digress he <laughs> looks like a he looks like a better looking guy and he's like are you sure that it wasn't because of a woman because most of the time when that happens when you got a 40 something year old guy who goes from being 200 and something pounds to 100 and something pounds over the course of a year like i have it's usually because of a woman, but I can tell you 100% that it was not in my situation. I just yeah. decided that I didn't want to have a heart attack in five years, and that I wanted to eat help, eat better. Chris Watts, not so much. I'm sure not. Not so much. But he denies that it has anything to do with it.
1: Oh, I'm um, sure. He
0: talks about how emotional he was when they were fighting, but he does not show any emotion at all. Doesn't cry. Uh, he, the cops asked Chris if he thought his wife was cheating. He says he doesn't know. They ask him if he cheat if he's cheating, and he denies it. Then they show him giving, and then the worst part is, of course, you see a video of old Chris Watts, fat Chris Watts, giving some sort of PowerPoint presentation in his house about um, marriage and infidelity, like to his church group or some Mm, shit like that. Of course, it's always to a fucking
1: church group. Mm -hmm.
0: Okay, so then it it cuts back to when Shanann was gone. She's gone for those five weeks um, to North Carolina. She's visiting her family. Her mom and her dad and her brother live out there, and so do Chris's parents. Um, but she's texting him, she's calling him and he's missing calls. He's missing texts. He's blaming it on, oh, I forgot my phone or it went, it went to my work phone. Or, I'm sorry. I didn't call. And she's like, don't you miss your children? Don't you miss me? Oh, what's yikes. going on between us? And he's not giving a very good, he's not giving very, very much of a, uh, of a good, ex- of, a, of a good explanation to that. Mm-hmm. And then also you see that Shanann is texting her friends, her squad, talking about how Chris's behavior is out of the ordinary. Okay, what we know is that Shanann, that she was talking about how their relationship felt one-sided to her. Um, so he flies out the last week that, that she's going to be there. The, the, the plan was for him to fly out that last one week to North Carolina, mm-hmm. spend the week with, with his family and their family, and then come back all together. Right, todos juntos. You see video of her. She's recording him getting off the plane. And he comes out and he sees his kids and he hardly even hugs them and he doesn't even hardly kiss her. Man, what the fuck? I know, fucking asshole, man. These fucking guys. And I remember thinking to myself, I was sitting in this chair that I'm in right now. And I, I swear to God, it had not been even 24 hours since I had seen my own children who only live five minutes away. But I got emotionally upset because I thought to myself, if I had not seen my children for five weeks, I would be crying. Because yeah. I would miss
1: them so much. Well, because you're a human being I with be feelings crying. and emotions. I feel those
0: emotions right now. I'm, I, my kids were here like five hours ago, and I miss them. Five hours ago they were here, and I wish they were here right now. I, I, I physically miss my children at night. It. You have no idea how depressing it is for me to live in this house by myself. There are times when I think to myself, I like it because, you know, I've got my freedom. The house is clean. It's not cluttered. But at the same time it's so fucking lonely sometimes. And this guy, this piece of shit, man. Yeah. Oh my god. It made me so upset. It made me physically upset to watch him not be broken up about that. And so, okay, so then he goes to North Carolina and Shanann can tell something's wrong and she's like Texting a friend of hers about how upset she is, because the only time that she's kissed him, that he's kissed her since she got back, but since he got there was when they were when he gave her like a peck on the cheek when they were in the uh when they were at the airport, and then she texts a friend of hers that they got the kids down to sleep and she took a shower at night because she wanted to have sex with him and he was too busy doing push ups, and then he went right to sleep and ignored her, and I'm like, you know, and push thing. I was to like, I swear sex. to Christ, man. I, I would give I'm I'm talking to you Satan, there is so much that I would give to be in a relationship where a woman actually wanted to have sex with me on the regular. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, if you can if you can if you can connect me with someone like that, I got a soul that's and it, i just literally so setting to me. It was so upsetting to me because, you know, you see it through the prism of your own experiences. You're like, my God, what I wouldn't give to be with a woman who loved me and wanted to have sex with me.
1: Yeah, no kidding.
0: If my wife, my God, Jesus Christ, I wouldn't be single right now. (laughs) She'd still be here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, geez, fuck this fucking piece of shit. So anyway, so and then he won't talk to her and... They come back and she can tell something's wrong. She's so upset. She's sending text messages. She's talking about how she's crying. She confronted him. She asked him. She actually asked him if he was seeing somebody else because she tried to initiate sex one more time and he just went to sleep and she was just upset about that. It makes me so fucking mad. What the fuck? fuck, Like
1: I don't know of any guy who would be sexually (sighs) active that would turn down sex. She states that
0: she's so horny and he's ignoring her. I'm like, Motherfucker. Let me tell you something. That is fucking unfathomable
1: to me. And when you were first saying, like, turn down sex because he was too busy doing push-ups. Fucking what?
0: I'm never too busy doing anything to turn down sex. You could text me while I'm at work, and I would say, sorry, boss, I'll be back. I was about to say (laughs) I would have sex with a broken leg. I had a broken leg, and And I still had sex. You were still in a leg brace. I was in a brace, and I had sex. I was still needing to be in that brace, and I took that brace off so that I could have sex. I, I I, rolled those dice. I was like, you know what? Maybe my leg will be a little bit crooked, but I'm having sex, for Christ's sake.
1: <laughs> Ain't nothing going to keep me from having
0: sex. If a woman is willing, let's do it, baby. Yeah, no fucking kidding. I'm telling you, my leg was all fucked up, but my penis still worked. Damn, Christ's straight. Anyway, enough unf- about that. Unf- enough fucking about that. I just got to get all this out of my system. I'm so upset at Chris Watts. So they get back. And there's obviously something going on, um, and then they they flip back, and here's what the next thing that the documentary shows us, which of oh, course, no. if you do them, if you do if you do the research, you'll notice Chris absolutely was fucking some other woman.
1: Fucking, of course he was. That's not only prick.
0: that, but she looked like a ten year younger version of his wife, oh, which is just fucking, fucking unoriginal, creepy, just bastard. like just like Scott Peterson. So this girl's name was Nicole Kessinger. She was a better looking version, but again. What are you gonna do? You know? Be with your wife, you piece of shit. God If damn you don't
1: it. wanna be with your wife, there are get a lot a easier ways divorce. that don't involve murder
0: to get away from your wife if you want to go fuck a younger woman. Yeah, no shit, because now you're in fucking prison and you're not fucking anybody For life. Ever. Anyway, so we meet Nicole Kessinger. She met Chris in June at work. June's June okay, this happened in June when they met. In August, that's when Shanann goes to um or no in and in July very or very late July and then all of August she's gone mid July to mid August she's gone so about a month before she leaves that's when Chris meets Nicole Kessinger at work right he told her that he was in the process of separating from his wife so first they were friends and of course it develops into a romantic relationship mm-hmm. later mm-hmm. so when she, while Shanann was gone to North Carolina that's when everything started getting hot and heavy between them so he waited less he had to wait less than a month to start fucking this woman Jesus Christ. Right. So, um, and again, there's there's social media evidence of this too. She's recording videos and talking about, hey, we, I had such a good time with you today. And there's, I'm going to read you a note. I'll read it oh, right now. Fuck oh, this guy. Yes. Fuck this, this guy. Wow. Where do I start? The first day I saw you, you took my breath away. The first day I had the guts to talk to you, I got lost in those stunning green eyes. The first day we hung out in the park, we kissed. I knew I had met the most, fuck this guy, something blah, 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 the, the, the most energetic, the something, the most unique and something woman ever. Who cares? We've had a lot of firsts together and I want to keep having them with you all night. Da, 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 I want you, I love you, I want to love, I want to love, I want to love you like that. What the fuck? God damn it, man. This is really this hard. Is it really this hard to be faithful? Peace of oath? No?
1: Jesus fucking Jesus Christ. Fucking Christ with this if guy. you're not gonna be faithful to your fucking wife, don't get up. Fucking wife. You don't. don't, have don't, to wife. You don't you also, have to murder Don't fucking murder saying. your wife, you dumb fuck. Oh my god. Okay, so. Jesus.
0: So, they get back they get back from north carolina it's obvious that something's going on she's only back for like three days before she has to go to the thrive convention with her with her thrive squad so while they're gone it's like a friday saturday sunday sort of thing chris is going to have the kids well one of those nights i think it was the last night i think it might have been sunday night he tells her he tells shenan that he's going to go to a colorado rockies game right but Mm -hmm. what he does instead is he goes to a bar and grill with nicole and he gets a babysitter for the kids
1: are you fucking serious? Not you can't only that, be with but he pays for that. He long. pays
0: their bill with his debit card and so it shows up on their on their statement. That's stupid fucking piece right. of shit. For like $63 at such and such bar and grill. So, you know, obviously Shanann can pull up her app and see, "Hey, you don't have any. you know, you didn't go to the Colorado Rockies game. You went to this such and such bar and grill. And how the hell did you pay? If it was just you, how the hell did you did you charge up $63?" Yeah you fucking moron. This is where he was. Not only that, but he stopped at an ATM. You see footage of that to put to uh, to pick up cash for the babysitter showed up 30 minutes late from when it when he said he was going to because they've got a ring doorbell and so Shanann was able to sh- was able to see exactly when he got home. You know, 30 minutes later than he was was. So she gets back and that's when she goes missing. The night that she gets back is the 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 next day is when she went missing, right? Jesus. So Basically what happened was that while, okay, so it's only like day three of them being missing, right? Mm-hmm. And they bring Chris into the police station and that's when they have their first interview. And when they're asking him, have you cheated on, have you, are we cheating on her? Was she cheating on you? Do you know what happened to her? Do you have any idea where she might have gone? He's such an idiot for this entire thing. Of course thing. he Walks is. Walks right into the police station, just let just let them lead him all the way through the investigation a slam dunk confession. He did everything he could to make it easy on them. He never asked for a lawyer. They eventually bring him in again for a polygraph test, and he completely fails the polygraph test. What you can a see fucking it. moron! The detective that's uh, that's taking that's doing the polygraph test. You can see when she starts asking him. She asked him like, I mean, I don't know how many questions that she asked because it's obviously edited for time and for the for the documentary. Yeah. But she asked him, "Do you have any idea what happened to her? Are you telling me the truth about knowing where they are? Uh, you know." did you have an argument on this time and he obviously fails it so she she unhooks him from the machine and then she brings him in she brings in the other detective and they're like we know we know that you know what happened to them yeah. you failed this polygraph test we know and again polygraph tests aren't aren't, admit, aren't admissible in court as evidence mm-hmm. but at the same time you can absolutely use them to lead an idiot like this to confess
1: yeah no shit
0: what had happened was, what he didn't know at the time, was that Nicole Kessinger had been watching the news, and that was when she realized that Chris was lying to her from the beginning. That he was still with his wife, that they were not separated, that his wife was pregnant, and then she started getting worried about where the fuck the kids were and the wife was. Mm-hmm. And so she came to the cops by herself without letting him know. Good for her. Mm-hmm. And let them know, I've been having an affair with this guy, and he said this about his wife and i don't know where they are but i'm really worried about it obviously to try to get her, try to clear her name or at least get rid get out of it so then they start asking him you know you failed this polygraph test we know we know you know that they're not coming back home yeah. you know that something happened to them and the, and then the the female detective is telling him you know you keep telling us that you're upset about it that you're really missing your family you haven't cried once you haven't shown any kind of emotion like you're upset about it, and that was the time that that's really when Chris Watts turns into a real piece of shit. Because then it's you can tell that he's for, trying to force himself to cry and to show oh, some sort that of emotion. Oh, fucking it creepy piece off well. of shit! It does not come off. So he confesses to having an affair, and for the first time, tries to show emotion like it did. Then the cops drop it on. They tell him they knew about Nicole. That's what they say. So we didn't need to ask you anything about her. And then they tell him we'll leave her out of this if you confess. If you tell us what happened to Shanann. The, the polygraph detective says at one point, did you do something to Shanann and the kids? Did Shanann do something to the kids? And then you did something to her trying to get something out of him. Not yeah. only that, but she's giving, she's like, you know, you keep telling us that you're upset, but you're not showing any kind of emotion. You know, aren't you Aren't you worried about where your daughters are? Aren't you worried about your where your wife is? And he's trying to, trying to show some sort of emotion. And then he gets really quiet and he says, can I just talk to my dad? Can I please just talk to my dad? And so, of course, everything's being recorded. They don't give a shit. So yeah. they leave the room. They let his dad come in. His dad had flown in from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting there. And he said, Dad, they're not going to let me go. Dad, something happened. And he's like, well, what? tell me what happened. His dad is, I feel so bad for the dad. Because in that moment, again, with me with me just transferring all my fucking emotions onto this, onto this situation. The dad is sitting there. The dad looks so much like him. And he's just like... Pat, patting him on the back and just you know trying to comfort him at the same time, and I think to myself, my dad would be the same. But my dad is the same kind of dad this guy is, you know, trying to comfort his trying to comfort his son and trying to see what's going on. And he says, and then this piece of shit tells tells his father that something happened on the night that the kids went missing and the Shanann went missing. This is what he tells his dad. Oh no. He tells his dad that he got home and he told Shanann that he didn't want to be with her anymore. And then she got upset and then she strangled the kids. And then, and then when he found out he got so upset that he strangled her. Are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. Which is a complete fucking bullshit lie. Oh, I'm sure
1: it is. A fucking prick.
0: hmm mm-hmm. Prick. So they get back in there and then he tells them that story. He tells the detectives that story. And they start asking him, Okay, so what happened? He's like, Well, she got she, you know, she got home and she got in bed and we made love and then later on i told her that i didn't want to be with her anymore and then she got upset and she she just went crazy and she she strangled the kids and i couldn't stop her and then i strangled her and then i wrapped her up in a blanket and i wrapped the kids up in their blankets and i took them out to my to the first site this where this oil well is and i dumped the ch- the children's bodies in an oil reservoir tank and then i dug a shallow grave for Shanann and and buried her there
1: I'm so sad that my kids have died because my wife killed them. Let me throw them in a fucking oil mm-hmm.
0: tank. Mm-hmm. What the That's fuck? Disgusting. So finally, what happens is, finally when it's all said and done, in order to avoid, um, they they obviously are going to try him for murder. In order to avoid uh, the death penalty, which is still which is still active in Colorado, he um, he was charged with five counts of first degree murder, including an additional one count her child cited as death of a child who has not yet attained 12 years of age. Um, he was also tried for unla- unlawful termination of a pregnancy, which we talked about last time with yeah. Scott and Lacey Peterson, three counts of tampering with a deceased human body. Um, they f- He finally pled guilty and he confessed that he had killed them both. And this is what he said, that he strangled his wife while she was in bed. Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And, okay. then, so, and, then, and then she was face down on the bed and then she was dead. Um, wasn't moving and that his older daughter came into scene. He said, oh, mommy's, mommy's sick. So we're going to take her to the, we're going to take her somewhere. So he he put it, he backed his truck up. He wrapped uh, Shanann up in a, you know, in a, in a, uh, in a sheet and put her in the back seat on the floorboard of his fucking truck. Ew. And then he wrapped up his daughters who were still awake. Oh, now no. here's later on, he, he wrote, he wrote a letter that he talked about how he knew, the night before that this happened, that when he put him to bed, that that was going to be the last time he'd see them. So he tried to strangle them before they left the house, but he couldn't either go go through with it or he said that they they woke back up. So then he puts them in the in the truck with him and drives them out to that site to where he was going to be where, where his first work site while they're still alive. And their mom is rolling around in the back seat of the truck or in the in the floorboard. Jesus fucking Christ! Once he got him out there, that's when he strangled the oldest daughter, and he strangled the the the, the younger daughter, and killed his entire family. What family annihilation fuck? is what they call it.
1: Jesus Christ, that's fucking intense.
0: Mm-hmm. This whole idea of a family annihilation thing is 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 prevalent among among some people. They say that there's some people who just I don't know something happens to them and. They click and they think to themselves that somehow they're going to get rid of it. They're going to get. They're going to get away with it. It makes no fucking sense. Not at he all. He says that he said that he uh, that the reason that he snapped was because when he when he finally admitted to Shanann that he was cheating on her that she said, "Well, you'll never see the kids again." Mm. Okay, it doesn't matter. I mean, we know this because we're not crazy, even though we seem crazy a lot of the time. Yeah. It doesn't matter how bad a divorce goes. It doesn't matter how much you're dragged through the slime and the mud when it comes to your reputation because of a divorce or the horrible thing that you've you've done. It doesn't matter if your wife has thousands and thousands of followers on social media and just destroys your public image. That's a million times better than murdering her and your children that you're never going to get away with because nobody ever gets away with this shit. No, they don't. He's serving five life sentences. Good. Without parole. Of course, there's a theory out there that Nicole put him up to it. It's not very, you know, it's obviously not a mainline theory. Yeah, there's a I theory that Nicole so. told him to do it, and that the reason that he confessed so quickly was keep, was to keep her from facing any charges. But the, the the police detective asked her. Did he? He asked her flat out, "Did you ever say or imply to her, to him, that if he got rid of his family, then y'all could be together?" And she's like, "No, I never did that. Yeah. Absolutely not. I
1: don't think that this would at all be no. her fault." This is just a fucking
0: crazy piece of shit guy. There's also um, prison letters that he is so, that he's since confessed uh, that he's since had published. He confesses that he tried to slip oxycodone to Shanann to try to cause her to miscarry because he felt like that would be easier. Jesus! It would be easier if she if that happened. What the I fuck? Know, it's terrible. I don't know how a guy just snaps like that.
1: I have no. Seems idea. Seems normal.
0: Turns out he's a homicidal maniac. Yeah, what the hell? I don't know. Like,
1: I that's mean a we, big jump.
0: We talk about a lot of
1: really weird shit, and it still amazes Ooh. me the lengths that people will go to for oh yeah,
0: no reason. Yeah, like some of the serial killers that we talk about. It's obvious that that's gonna be that's gonna be a thing that happens to them because they grow up in these really um, sick and twisted. Um, Hyper religious backgrounds with alcoholic fathers who you know beat them or rape them while they're quoting Bible scriptures and their parents you know their their wife you know their 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 mothers leave them or um, you know and then they get in, they get brutalized in prison and it's like yeah it's obvious that guy's gonna have issues later on and it's no big surprise when they start eating people's faces off exactly. stuff like that that's not so surprising but just a like generic a white dude normal who's guy. You got know? a wife and two kids you know? and a third on the
1: way, and then just
0: decide one day I'm gonna strangle all of
1: them yeah. to death. Did he ever what wet the, the bed? Fuck? Did he start
0: fires? Did he try to? Uh, did he? Did he ever mutilate or or abuse uh, small animals when he was a kid? It's called the McDonald Triad. Yes, just look it up, guys. We've talked about it. we've looked at we, we've talked about it, but it's been a long time since we've talked about it. Did he show any of those any of those uh, sociopathic behaviors growing up? I guess not. So what? What? How the fuck do you decide? From June to August, that not only do you not want to be with your wife, but you're going to kill her and your children, all three of your children, in order to be with your girlfriend. And it what makes you think you're going to get away
1: with it? Jesus fucking Fuck, fuck wild to me. I don't fucking
0: understand <sighs> it. It makes no fucking sense. God. Anyway, that's it. I went overboard on that shit. I know I did. Nah, this is just going to be a special, extra length episode. I brought a but, lot. I brought a lot of my own baggage into that one. Let me tell you that.
1: Yeah, you, I but I mean, understand because like this is a this is a lot different than talking about like a generic serial killer. Like what we were just saying, this is a totally different circumstance. Mm-hmm. This is some fucking wild
0: shit. It really is. But that's the story. Oh my god! If you had oh oh oh, and I missed the best part about that is oh, no. that about two weeks after this Netflix documentary was released there was huge online speculation that there's this one scene in the house where one of the one of the bedroom one of the bedroom lights turns off by itself because there's only three there's only supposed to be four people in the house at the time yeah um, Nicole Atkinson her I think it's her either her husband or her son who was also in the house the cop and Chris Watts mm-hmm. and we're seeing body cam footage but you can see that there is a uh, you can see that there's a there's a particular bedroom light that turns off by itself. And then down the hallway, you can see the kids' room. And if you watch this one particular part of the documentary, it looks like you can see two children playing in that room. But there should, no, there should not be children in that room. So yeah. everyone is talking about how there's this paranormal activity within the documentary. Yeah. Uh, but you'll have to watch it and see for yourself. It's, yeah. all, it's out there. I've been wanting to watch this one, but I knew you were going to bring this topic.
1: So I wanted to let you do it first and then go and watch the documentary on it but jesus fucking christ man this was intense
0: i'm done i can't do it so i'm so emotionally spent now from that subject anyway we'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with dylan's topic
1: hooray no pressure for the (laughs) follow-up
0: all right so we're back after our short break
1: and uh well i get to follow up that super heavy topic Uh, With some funny, funny goof-goof shit.
0: Yeah, I'm sure it's going to be great. Oh yeah, it's going to be be lots of fun,
1: lots of laughs.
0: No, I'm so excited for your topic. Go ahead, start.
1: Yeah. Blow me away.
0: Blow me down. Don't
1: you fucking every fucking time. (laughs) I have heard that every fucking episode almost. You bastard. Where the fuck did you get those vinyl green... Boots. My neon green boots. Neon green boots. That's amazing. I got them from hottopic.com and I shipped them to the store. Those are fucking crazy. These were on back order, so I ordered them like a month and a half ago and they finally got here. I know. But it paid off because these look fresh as hell. Yeah, they do look good. All right. Start up. god Let's i just... look good. All right. So I am going to be discussing a little tale you may have heard from the internet. Back in the early days of the creepy pastas, we're going to be talking about the Russian sleep experiment.
0: Fuck yeah.
1: I mentioned yeah. this last, epi- last episode uh, because I fucking love this story. I think it's super cool. It's one of the first creepy pastas that I had read and looked into. Mm-hmm. Got me hooked on the rest of them. I think it's fucking radical. So. Let's just jump into this one, huh? I know Jake likes it, too. I can see
0: (laughs) he's got these hungry
1: eyes on me. Threw my phone into the other room, closed my laptop, no distractions. He's fucking ready. I'm ready, baby. I'm ready. All right, so I'm going to read it directly as it is written on the Creepypasta website. I just copy and paste it
0: into a Google Doc. Oh, so that's good to know that it only took you five minutes to prepare for your... Topic,
1: That's why shit. I've been telling you, you for the last of shit. week. Like, hey, Jake, are you ready to record? I'm ready. Let's go. Hey, Jake, can we record? I'm ready. Let's go. I watched I... that documentary twice through to make sure that I got everything right. I specifically shit. told you what I was doing. Fucking I'm fucking doing real shit. research for my next ones. I I eat you. my ass. Just start. Do you want me to start falling asleep? Because I can do it. No, please don't. You know, you're gonna, you know you're how gonna easy gonna miss it is for me spook- to fall
0: asleep? You know how easy it is. You're going to miss all the spooky shit. Why it's are t- you putting on gloves right now? What are you doing? I'm about to put on my fucking helmet. It's been. Over 24 hours since I put my helmet on. Do not put your helmet on I while we're recording. I put my on once a day, every day, just to make it make me feel better. Do it when we're done recording. We well, better better hurry up. And I'm about to
1: talk, Let's but I'm it. not going to talk. You're going to put your, your fucking topic. helmet on. Let's hear
0: your topic. Don't you hate when people interrupt you when you're about to start your topic? This
1: podcast isn't that, is, that the worst. This podcast is canceled. I can't fucking stand it here. Stop. I hate you.
0: I can't work in these conditions.
1: How do you expect me to work in this environment, That's Jacob? let's start up let's do it all right yeah it's fine we're only an hour in already because your topic took so long it's a good fucking topic yes it was all right so i'm going to get started now let's do it i've been fucking waiting over here the russian sleep experiment mm-hmm.
0: yes comrade we we experiment with, with the sleep
1: do it let's do it every time we start Absolutely, i'm about to start comrade. and then you start with your fucking russian voice okay Russian researchers in the late 1940s kept five people awake for 15 days using an experimental gas-based stimulant.
0: In the were... Russia, we do not sleep.
1: Oh, Boomer. You bastard. <laughs> Look who's back. God, you even got him to interrupt did you me. you hear him? Yes, I did. Right on cue. Right on cue. All right, sorry. They were kept in a sealed environment to carefully monitor their oxygen intake so the gas didn't kill them, since it was toxic in high concentrations. This was before closed-circuit cameras, so they only had microphones and 5-inch-thick glass porthole-sized windows into the chamber to monitor them. The chamber was stocked with books, cots to sleep on, but no bedding, running water, and a toilet and enough dry food to last all five for over a month. The test subjects were political prisoners deemed enemies of the state during World War II. Everything was fine for the first five days. The subjects hardly complained, having been promised falsely that they would be freed if they submitted to the test and did not sleep for 30 days. Their conversations and activities were monitored, and it was noted that they continued to talk about increasingly traumatic incidents in their past and the general tone of their conversations took on a darker aspect after the four-day mark. After five days, they started to complain about the circumstances and events that led them to where they were, and started to demonstrate severe paranoia. They stopped talking to each other and began alternately whispering into the microphones and one-way mirrored portholes. Oddly, they all seemed to think that they could win the trust of the experimenters by turning over their comrades, the other subjects in captivity with them. At first, the researchers suspected this was an effect of the gas itself. After nine days, the first of them started screaming. He ran the length of the chamber repeatedly, yelling at the top of his lungs for three straight hours. He continued attempting to scream, but was only able to produce, produce occasional squeaks. The researchers postulated that he had physically torn his vocal cords. Mm -hmm. The most surprising thing about this behavior is how the other captives reacted to it, or rather didn't react to it. They continued whispering to the microphones until the second of the captives started to scream. The two non-screaming captives took the books apart, smeared page after page with their own feces, and pasted them calmly over the glass portholes. The screaming promptly stopped. So did the whispering to the microphones.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: After three more days passed, the researchers checked the microphones hourly to make sure they were working, since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming from since they thought it was impossible that no sound could be coming with five people inside. The oxygen consumption in the chamber indicated that all five must still be alive. In fact, it was the amount of oxygen five people would consume at a very heavy level of strenuous exercise. On the morning of the 14th day, the researchers did something they said they would not do to get a reaction from the captives. They used the intercom system inside the chamber, hoping to provoke any response from the captives. They were afraid were either dead or vegetables. They announced, We are opening the chamber to test the microphones. Step away from the door and lie flat on the floor or you will be shot. Compliance will earn one of you your freedom immediately. To their surprise, they heard a single phrase in a calm voice respond, We no longer want to be freed. Debate broke out among the researchers and the military forces funding the research. Unable to provoke any more response using the intercom, it was finally decided to open the chamber at midnight on the 15th day. The chamber was flushed of the stimulant gas and filled with fresh air, and immediately the voices from the microphones began to object. Three different voices began begging, as if pleading for the life of loved ones to turn the gas back on. The chamber was opened and the soldiers sent in to retrieve the test subjects. They began to scream louder than ever, and so did the soldiers when they saw what was inside. Four of the five subjects were still alive, although no one could rightly call the state any of them were in life. The food rations the past five days had not been so much as touched. There were chunks of meat from the, dead, er, from the dead test subjects' thighs and chest stuffed into the drain in the center of the chamber, blocking the drain and allowing four inches of water to accumulate on the floor. Precisely how much of the water on the floor was actually blood was never determined. All four surviving test subjects also had large portions of muscle and skin torn away from their bodies the destruction of flesh and exposed bone on their fingertips indicated that the wounds were inflicted by hand not with teeth as the researchers initially thought closer examination of the position and angles of the wounds indicated that most if not all of them were self-inflicted the abdominal organs below the rib cage of all four test subjects had been removed while the heart lungs and diaphragm remained in place jesus
0: fucking christ
1: The skin and most of the muscles attached to the ribs had been ripped off, exposing the lungs through the rib cage. All the blood vessels and organs remained intact. They had just been taken out and laid on the floor, fanning out around the eviscerated but still living bodies of the subjects. Mm -hmm. The digestive tract of all four could be seen to be working, digesting food. It quickly became apparent that what they were digesting was their own flesh that they had ripped off and eaten over the course of days. Most of the soldiers were Russian special operatives at the facility, but still many refused to return to the chamber to remove the test subjects. They continued to scream to be left in the chamber, and alternately begged and demanded that the gas be turned back on lest they fall asleep. Uh, To everyone's surprise, the test subjects put up a fierce fight in the process of being removed from the chamber. One of the Russian soldiers died from having his throat ripped out, another was gravely injured by having his testicles ripped off, and an artery in his leg severed by one of the subject's teeth.
0: What the shit?
1: Another five of the soldiers lost their lives, if you count the ones that committed suicide in the weeks following the incident. In the struggle, one of the four living subjects had his spleen ruptured, and he bled out almost immediately. The medical researchers attempted to sedate him, but this proved impossible. He was injected with more than ten times the human dose of a morphine derivative, and still fought like a cornered animal, breaking the ribs and arm of one doctor. When his heart was seen to beat for a full two minutes after he bled out, to the point there was more air in his vascular system than blood. Even after it stopped, he continued to scream and flail for another three minutes, struggling to attack anyone in reach, and just repeating the word more over and over, weaker and weaker, until he finally fell silent. The surviving three test subjects were heavily restrained and moved to a medical facility, with the two with intact vocal cords continuously begging for the gas demanded to be kept awake. The most injured of the three was taken to the only surgical operating room the facility had. In the process of preparing the subject to have his organs placed back in his body, it was found that he was effectively immune to the sedative that they had given him to prepare for the surgery. He fought furiously against his restraints when the anesthetic gas was brought out to put him under. He managed to tear away most he managed to tear most of the way through a 4-inch wide leather strap on one wrist, even through the weight of a 200-pound soldier holding that wrist as well. Jesus. It took only a little more anesthetic than normal to put him under. In the instant his eyelids fluttered and closed his heart stopped. In the autopsy of the test subject that died on the operating table it was found that his blood had tripled the normal levels of oxygen. His muscles were still attached his muscles that were still attached to his skeleton were badly torn and he had 9 broken bones in his struggle not to be subdued. Most of them were from the force his own muscles had exerted on them. The second survivor had been the first of the group of five to start screaming. His vocal cords were destroyed and he was unable to beg or object to surgery. And he only reacted by shaking his head violently in disapproval when the anesthetic gas was brought near him. Mm. He shook his head yes when someone suggested reluctantly they try the surgery without anesthetic and did not react for the entire six-hour procedure of replacing his abdominal organs and attempting to cover them with what remained of his skin. The surgeon presiding stated repeatedly that it should be medically impossible for the patient to still be alive. One terrified nurse assisting the surgery stated that she had seen the patient's mouth curl into a smile several times whenever his eyes met hers. When the surgery ended, the subject looked at the surgeon and began to wheeze loudly, attempting to talk while struggling. Assuming this must be something of drastic importance, the surgeon had a pen and pad fetched so the patient could write his message. It was simple. Keep cutting. (laughs) Nice. The other two test subjects were given the same surgery, both without anesthetic as well, although they had to be injected with a paralytic for the duration of the operation. The surgeon found it impossible to perform the operation while the patients laughed continuously. Once paralyzed, the subjects could only follow the attending researchers with their eyes. The paralytic cleared their system in an abnormally short period of time, and they were soon trying to escape their bonds. The moment they could speak they were again asking for the stimulant gas the researchers tried asking why they had injured themselves and why they had ripped out their own guts and why they wanted to be given the gas again only one response was given i must remain awake
0: (laughs) oh my god
1: all three subjects restraints were reinforced and they were placed back into the chamber awaiting determination as to what should be done with them Researchers facing the wrath of their military benefactors for having failed the stated goals of their projects considered euthanizing the surviving subjects. The commanding officer in XKGB instead saw potential and wanted to see what would happen if they were put back on the gas. The researchers strongly objected but were overruled. In preparation for being in the For being sealed in the chamber again, the subjects were connected to an EEG monitor and had all their restraints padded for long-term confinement. To everyone's surprise, all three stopped struggling the moment it was let slip that they were going to go back on the gas. Mm -hmm. It was obvious that at this point, all three were putting up a great struggle to stay awake. One of the subjects that could speak was humming loudly and continuously the mute subject was straining his legs against the leather bonds with all his might first left then right then left again for something to focus on the remaining subject was holding his head off his pillow and blinking rapidly having been the first to be wired for eeg most of the researchers were monitoring his brain waves in surprise they were normal most of the time but sometimes flatlined inexplicably it looked as if he were repeatedly suffering brain death before returning to normal. God. As they focused on paper scrolling out of the brainwave monitor, only one nurse saw his eyes slip shut at the same moment his head hit the pillow. His brainwaves immediately changed to that of deep sleep, then flatlined for the first or for the last time as his heart simultaneously stopped. The only remaining subject that could speak started screaming to be sealed in now. His brain waves showed the same flat lines as the one who had just died from falling asleep. The commander gave the order to seal the chamber with both subjects inside as well as the three researchers. One of the named three immediately drew his gun and shot the commander point blank between the eyes, then turned the gun on the mute subject and blew his brains out as well. He pointed the gun at the remaining subject, still restrained to a bed, as the remaining members of the medical and research team fled the room. I won't be locked in here with these things, not with you. He screamed at the man strapped to the table. What are you? He demanded. I must know. The subject smiled. Have you forgotten so easily? The subject asked. We are you. We are the madness that lurks within you all, begging to be free at every moment in the, your deepest animal mind. We are what you hide from in your beds every night. We are what you sedate into silence and paralysis when you go to the nocturnal haven we, where we cannot tread. The researcher paused. Then aimed at the subject's heart and fired. The EEG flatlined as the subject weakly choked out, so nearly free. And that is the Russian sleep experiment. Jesus (laughs) fucking (laughs) Christ, I love it. Yeah, it's pretty hardcore. Uh, It's really interesting. Like I said, that was one of the first ones I listened to. I was pretty young, uh, so it stuck with me. I was really, really interested in that. I realize, going back to it now, that I should not have been fooled as a young child into thinking that was real the grammar in that is not necessarily the best and obviously there are no actual or there is no actual evidence supporting that this ever happened but it's a cool fucking story it's still a great story it's fucking radical um i will say i think the dialogue at the end is a little bit cheesy
0: Mm-hmm. but whatever it's i like- mean
1: but whatever. It's a creepypasta. What do you guys want from me? It's not my fault. I didn't That's
0: do right. it. It's a sewage. It's a creepy pasta.
1: But it was cool. It's really fun. I enjoy creepy pastas a lot. I think there's a lot of really interesting ones out there. And a lot of people have some real fucked up ideas. And I love it. Love it very much. Uh, if anybody else has any other like really interesting creepypastas or maybe a whole bunch of short ones that they want to send my way, let me know. I'd always be down to look at some more. Um, But that was the Russian sleep experiment.
0: Good job. All right. Loved it. Wow. What an episode we've had today, my friends. We have. We had some highs, some lows, some emotional diarrhea. What are you going to do?
1: Going to keep listening.
0: That's all you can do.
1: It really do be that way. Mm -hmm. But you know what? Here we are. We've got our slightly longer than normal
0: episode. But it's going to be a good one.
1: But it's going to be a real good one.
0: I'm very excited. Very, very excited. So am I. Very excited. Cool. All right. Well, cool. If that's it, I got nothing else. I'm ready yeah. to go to sleep. I'm good to go. I can tell you're ready I'm to sleep. I'm an old man. Uh, I know. I'm awake. No, it's good. All right. Well, from Dylan, who's apparently the most favorite co-host ever, my name is Jake, and we hope we've left you too scared to sleep.